she started at 5.30 a.m. and she finished at about 2.30 p.m. And and we were there watching her. She's, I think, 75, 76 years old and finished in like nine hours and 30 minutes. But she, she got her first marathon down. Everybody. Welcome back. You are watching and listening to Press Play with Coach K. I am your host, Kimberly Monroe. And so y'all know I get super excited about everybody, but this particular guest I'm actually extremely excited about because I get to talk with her about one of my very favorite things in the world, and that is running. Y'all know if you've been listening for a while, you understand my struggle of becoming a runner at almost 30 years old. And many of you have heard my uh, my story. And if you haven't listened to episode one, Collapsing Across the Finish Line, side note. Um, but I would like to welcome my guest today. Her name is Samantha Flynn, and Samantha is the owner of FTR Race Management. So for, for those people who have never participated in an organized running event before, and I'm sure, Sam, you can probably agree that there is a huge gap between what makes for a fantastic race experience as opposed to, you know, what makes for a horrible race experience. And, you know, if you've, if you've done enough um, organized road races, you know that if when it's bad, it can be really bad. And then when it's great, you can end up becoming like a, a repeat runner at a, a particular event. So can you start out just by telling everybody a little bit about who you are and exactly what it means to be in event management? Yeah. So um, I am FTR Race Management. I do endurance planning, uh, timing, anything from start to finish on a race, uh, course management, uh, planning logistics, everything, um, 5Ks, 10Ks, marathons, half marathons, triathlons, bike races, uh, trail runs, anything, you name it. Um, you talked a little bit about experience um, of a road race. I just wanted to go back to that. Uh, experience in the environment kind of makes make or break a person's time at a race. Like if if they don't have a good environment and if the vibe isn't right, it can ruin your morning. Uh, if you go to a race and you just don't feel that community welcome, I think that's my favorite part of a race is hearing people's stories and getting that community feel. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have that, it, it, it's hard to gather more participants and it's hard to really give people the experience that they deserve. Sure. And, and no. it's so much better than running on a treadmill. So right. people are always like, I hate running. Like when I tell them what I do, they're like, I hate running. Uh, I hate running on a treadmill. It's it's awful. I'm like, no, but this is different. This is, yeah. they're, they're, the people around you, the announcer, the crowds, if you have a crowd, mm-hmm. but, like the finish line, the spectators, it's all different. 
Um, so I always encourage people to at least try, try, try a 5k once and see how you like it. Um, if anything, grab a friend and just go walk it. You don't have to run. (laughs) Just, just for the experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just for the feel of things. So let's take one step back because this is a, (laughs) a point of contention between the running and the non-running community, because, you know, there are people, if they're not runners, no judgment, y'all. Um, they lump everything running into the category of marathon. So for those who may not be aware, starting with 5K up through marathon, can you tell my audience what's the difference in the distances for each race? 5K is 3.1 miles. 10K is 6.2 then your half marathon, you have 13.1, and your full marathon is 26.2. And then there are ultras that are popular now, and they can be anywhere from, you know, 50 milers to 100 milers or anything like that. But we won't go into that crazy stuff. <laughs> right. And I, I always, my hat's off. There's a, I have a, a running friend. We started out running together in my very first marathon training group. And she's transitioned into an ultra runner. And I'm always so blown away by anybody who can run, you know, those 50 plus mile distances. I don't care over what amount of time you do it. Just the fact that people can physically do it. Just blows yeah. So um, let me ask you this. So Tell me a little bit about your history as just a runner yourself. Uh, So I grew up very active. I played soccer um, from the moment I could walk. Um, I was on swim team. Uh, My family was that family who went out and ran 5Ks. And so I was doing like kids Ks when I was younger Mm -hmm. uh, with my brothers. And then I did 5Ks. Um, I kind of got more serious about running in high school, um, and then mixed it up and added triathlons in there, uh, cause I was a swimmer as well. So I wanted to coordinate that in, I did a lot of long distance swimming and, uh, just kind of took it from there. Uh, I've always been really active, like weight lifting, um, basketball, you name it, I've I've done it. <laughs> uh, volleyball was a big one too. Um, so running's just always an an active life has always just been a part of of me. Right, right. So, wh- at what point did you decide that? Okay, so I've been athletic my entire life. I've competed in events. I'm sure those competitions have probably run the gamut from really well organized to like very poorly organized. So what made you decide, you know, I've done enough of these organized events. I think I might be able to do this myself. Uh, it, it honestly, I never even thought about it. It just all happened by chance. Um, I wanted to be a professional athlete um, all my life. I, um, I played soccer in high school and I ended up, um, tearing my meniscus real bad. Um, and I just didn't properly recover in, in a lot of time. Um, so I kind of 
the idea of playing soccer professionally um, kind of slowly fizzled away. Um, so I went to college, majored in kinesiology. Uh, fast forward to my senior year, I needed to get an internship and I was looking at some of the companies that um, had sent in like job postings to my professor. And there was one in Austin, Texas, uh, and it was an event management company. And I looked at it and I was like, I never even thought about everything that goes into planning and executing an event. Like I've, I've done all of these events and I've never even thought about the other side. I've never thought about what's behind that curtain, so to speak. And so I applied there and I, I got in and our first event, it was um, some cyclocross event in the beginning of January. It was 25 degrees and sleet and I fell in love with it. Wow. <laughs> Wow. And, you know, as a runner, it's like, you know, you show up at the event, right? And the mile markers are there, the corrals are there, the timing is there, whether it's, you know, the bib timing now or the old school chip timing like that you put on your shoe. The water stations are there, the, you know, the, the police are there blocking off the road. You know, there's just all of these components. And we expect you pay an entry fee, you show up and all that stuff's just going to be there. But like you said, I don't think that I've ever actually stopped and given any amount of thought to how many people it actually takes to pull off like a well-planned, well-executed race. Yeah. And, and the fact that your first event with this company was like probably under, sounds like the most horrible weather conditions ever. The fact that you were like, oh my goodness, I love this. Yeah, this is what I want to do. So did you continue your work with them after your your internship and after graduation? Um, I still work to the, uh, with them to this day, actually a little bit. Um, they did not have the capacity to hire another full time person. So okay. I ended up coming back to Houston and linking up with a girl who owned a running store in Galveston. And she wanted to um, start a timing an event management company um, and she had already bought all the timing equipment for it and kind of learned all of that and it just ended up like the timing ended up working out and we linked mm -hmm. up and kind of got things rolling started building a book of business and then fast forward three years later um, we kind of had some disagreements this was her company at the time. Mm -hmm. So we had some disagreements on how things were being run, how money was being spent and so on and so forth. And she just didn't have the passion for it or the capacity for it. She had a few other businesses. Um, so I offered to buy her out. Um, actually at the beginning of 2019, I bought her out. Okay. Wow. And so when did you guys start working together? What year was that? Uh, 2015. Okay. So you were partners from 2015 to 2019. Mm -hmm. And um, can you talk a little bit about how did you come across your first, like, decide on a first event to, to do? Yeah. Um, well, her having the established running um, store, 
mm-hmm. uh, kind of helped us because she had worked with some races in the past uh, that were on the island uh, and then in surrounding areas. So our first race to time was actually the uh, Causeway Fun Run um, by uh, the Daily News Press Run in Galveston. And they had about 800 people and I kind of just got thrown into the fire with like minimum training um, but I had, I had six months of event execution under another company, so it, it all worked out really well, but it was just learning the timing, um, kind of as, as we were going was a little chaotic, mm-hmm. but I, again, I, I love the chaos of, mm-hmm. of event life and everything that comes with it. I just thrive in it. So, wow. And so can you talk a little bit about the difference between being brought on board by maybe a new or existing event to solely handle their timing as opposed to managing the entire event, like, you know, from start to finish? What would be the difference in, in those two things? Um, so when I come in and manage an event from start to finish, you're dealing with uh, course logistics, meaning do you have a course set up? Do you have an idea of where your runners are going to run? If so, permitting, um, venue reservations, if you're at a park, uh, if, if it's a county park, if it's a state park, it kind of depends on who you go through uh, to get that reservation. Uh, then road closures, all the permits for that, dealing with the police. Uh, dealing with course signs, uh, water stations. So if I'm just being hired out for timing, I show up on on race day with my timing equipment and I set everything up and I set up the inflatable start finish line and the timing equipment and like we're good. Unless like a lot of race directors, I handle their registration as well. Mm-hmm. So I help them with that. Um, but other than that, it's kind of bare minimum work that goes into it pre-race day other than just some data stuff. And then, but event management, it's, it's everything from, you know, the course to water stations, to volunteers, um, porter potties, vendors, um, everything like that. Every runner's favorite thing, right? The porter potties. <laughs> so 800, 800 people, that's a pretty big like race. That's a pretty big job for like someone who th- is starting out. Like that's your first sort of feet to the fire event because I've, I've done one full marathon, 20 half marathons, and I don't know how many other distances in between. And I've had one, only one race ever where my, we were using the, the, the foot chips. So for folks who don't know, um, a lot of races used to give you these chips at the beginning of the race that you, you put like a little, um, it tie? it's like a sensor, right. That ties on your, on your shoe and it tracks your time from the start line and at different checkpoints throughout the race. And I've only had one race where my time was not recorded. You want to talk about angry? <laughs> Like it is the thing that nobody wants. So like how much pressure is it to know that you could have an entire race of runners or even just that one runner 
that there's a glitch and you know they don't get an official time like what does that even feel like um that that's always the most stressful um I used to like hold my breath until the first runner would come through and then that way I knew I had results. Um, I, I still do it at cross country races because those are so fast paced and it's actually a different process altogether. But um, the more I've done it, the more I've learned to problem solve and you're always gonna have an issue. You, I always say if you have a perfect race, you're missing something. You 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 overlooked something because there's always something that can be better. So when it mm -hmm. comes to data, there's always something that's probably going to get missed. Like if you didn't have, if you looked up your results and you didn't have anything listed by your name, there's a million things that could have happened. And one thing could have been that you the bib or the uh, the volunteer who gave you your bib or who gave you your tip didn't properly assign you that number or got the m numbers mixed up. And sure. so that's an easy fix to go back and, and, and do. But uh, if it's like they missed a, my technology, missed a read completely, I have different backups so mm -hmm. that if somebody emails me and they're like, I can't find my time and I go into my system and I can't find any reads for them, I have a manual time machine that we like enter numbers on. Uh, I have a video backup. So I, I, I want everyone to get their time. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want them to have to like, oh, well, that was a wash. Right, right. You know, it's, it's so personal for runners, that part yeah. of it. You know, we want, we're, you know, we're hitting that watch as soon as we cross the, the, the start line, we're hitting it again. And then you've got your watch time, but you know, that's not like your official time. It's not yeah. Yeah. Time. So, so I always, uh, we always have backups in case anything were to happen or anything were to go down. Cause mm -hmm. I mean, you know, as well as I do, technology is not always your friend. <laughs> it is not. Yeah, it is not. So, uh, um, so you, you bought your former partner out in 2019 Yes. and let's talk about 2020. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm sure for anyone that has a public facing company, whether you are a restaurant or bar owner or salon owner, or in your you know case, an event management company that gathers anywhere from several hundred to probably several thousand people in one place together to run. Talk a little bit about the impact that 2020 and, you know, the pandemic had on your, your business. Yeah. Uh, I, it impacted me greatly. I, so I bought the company in April of 2019, uh, had an amazing fall year. Uh, typically December is very slow. Um, so like the second half of December to the first half of January, I always kind of have a break. So I actually went to California to, um, be with my husband's family. Uh, then we got back, um, and I was gearing up for a busy spring. Um, I had from February to May, every weekend booked. Wow. Uh, I did an event. I had my February events. 
Then I had um, a March event that was, um, it was a series and they had a 5K on Friday night, a 10K half marathon on Saturday, and then a 10K half marathon on Sunday. Um, I got back from that and all this time I'm, I'm kind of paying attention to, you mm -hmm. know, where COVID, it, you know, COVID's in, in China and, oh, it's now it's here, now it's here. Oh, there's a case here. Um, I'm kind of paying attention. And I got back from that event the first weekend in March. And by the end of that week, I want to say between Wednesday and Friday, all of my events in March and April had canceled. Wow. So it was, it just all hit me like that yeah. this is real life. Uh, like I was planning to go to Dallas that weekend for two events and they, you know, I got the wow. call that they canceled. It was mm -hmm. just call after call after call. And then, and then I have to scramble to try to figure out how, how I deal with these because mm -hmm. people put down deposits for my timing. And, right. and for the event management services. So it's, how do I deal with this now? Like, this has never happened. Do I, you know, luckily in my clause, if anything happens, and, and everybody was very understanding, like, I'll either transfer the deposit or I can switch you to virtual. We had to kind of just make these very fast changes. And mm -hmm. virtual was still a thing or it was already a thing um, at that time, but a lot of people had not realized that it was a thing or hadn't really made a lot of efforts to put anything into virtual. So mm -hmm. when I say tell a race director, hey, instead of refunding all of this money, why don't you just switch to a virtual option? I kind of have to lead them into that, what goes into that, how you manage your participants and, and how they participate virtually. So right. that was kind of new waters we had to navigate. Um, since then, 2020, I mean, I, I utilize the run sign up a lot. Okay. And they've made strides and strides for a lot of their virtual features. You can mm -hmm. download a bib, you can download a finisher certificate, you can upload oh, wow. photos of your run, um, you can upload your own results. It's, it's, it's really intricate and, and they did a lot of amazing things to kind of gear towards that virtual crowd. Um, so I'm grateful for that and they, they actually rolled everything out very quickly um, wow. with the changes. I bet they had to. What are your What are your personal thoughts about? Because I'm personally I don't like virtual races. Um, I, because much like you described in the beginning, I like I like the feel of the community of of racing together and of running together. And so you know, for me, 
I could collect the medal, like, you know, and it, of course I ran the distance, right? You know, obviously, and I could collect the medal, I could get the shirt, but for me, what's always missing from the virtual race is like the community experience. But, you know, when you put yourself in the shoes, especially of runners who have been training for a specific event and the letdown of now finding out that that event has been canceled, I would imagine that having that virtual option so that in essence, they're training and preparation and all the mental part of it doesn't go to waste because they still have an outcome of finishing the distance that they wanted. And then of course we like the trinkets, right? So, <laughs> so, you, get, so you get your medal, you get your t-shirt. And in your opinion, what has the response been from a an event management perspective about people's willingness to um, participate in virtual races as opposed to in-person races? So I actually did not get I, I myself personally did mm -hmm. not get it. Like I was, I, I can go out and run a 5k by myself and not, not pay for it. You, you know, as opposed to doing virtual, I can go out and run by myself and not pay for it. And, and I have tons of shirts, so I don't, you know, it's, right. it's, it's whatever. Um, I didn't get it until June when I did a virtual challenge okay. and these people who organized it did it really well. Um, you had Facebook, like a Facebook group. You had Zoom happy hour sessions. They did it really well. And it was a challenge. So it was a 100-mile challenge. So, okay. yeah, for like two months. So you just logged your, like your mileage for each day. And then you turn it in at the end of the two months. Um and then I kind of got it. Um, it was, it's more than just a, we're all gonna go run out, run a 5K thing. It was kind mm -hmm. of more of a, a commitment thing for that challenge, at least to me. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, it kept me going, it kept me running because personally 2020 with the business, losing you know events and i had nothing to do i right. i had a few virtual events to put together for for race directors but other than that like here i am the the gym closed and like luckily, luckily we have a home gym but there's only so much you can do and uh me and my husband you know our our sleeping hours were you know, we'd go to sleep at 5 a.m., <laughs> wake up at noon, do it all over again. Um, so it just kind of put that stability and commitment in, in my life, mm -hmm. or at least that little challenge. So I kind of got it then, and then I just learned from what they did and kind of told sure. my race directors about that. Uh, but if you're gonna do a virtual challenge or an event, you still like a live event, you want it to be unique, you want you want something to pull in that participant because the event world is very saturated. The This industry with races, it is very saturated. You could go to, mm -hmm. before 2020, you could go into Houston for a weekend and see that there were 10 events happening. In the same way. Wow. So who knew? Okay. How how does that event differentiate differentiate itself from another event? It's, sure. 
so that's kind of the th same thing with virtual is they just, mm -hmm. you need to find the one thing that, that sticks out for your event. That makes so much sense. Um, and it's interesting that you say that. I read a, a pretty well-developed article on um, Run Repeat. Um, they did this state of running. Um, it was released back in like, I think 2019. They say it's the, it's the biggest um, analysis of like race results in history. So they, this is crazy. The analysis covers 107.9 million race results from over 70,000 events from 1986 to 2018. And um, they basically kind of like mapped global running. And, you know, some of the interesting things that they found, um, you know, were just about race participation in terms of like age groups, you know, genders. And I loved some of their commentary about just when you probably remember a time in the early 2000s or so when running half marathons and marathons became like this really big thing. And there was like this surge in the interest of, you know, people um, not just running, committing to becoming a runner, but also participating in organized races. And then you kind of saw like this, like sort of fall off from that. And so the interesting thing to me about, um, you know, just the 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 rise of, of recreational distance running and, you know, how people kind of latched onto it. And you probably remember the, like the, the, the color runs and, you yeah. know, all those other sort of like, sort of more fun races for people who may not take themselves so seriously as a runner, but they still want to be active. They want to gather a group of friends um, and, and do a race. Um, I just found, you know, that sort of analysis of, you know, just what makes people decide to, to become a runner. And, and, I, and I, I have to go back to what you said at the beginning, because um, I read another article that talked about um, running volume. So how much people run and how motivated they were during the pandemic. And um, this was in the Journal of Sports Medicine in October of last year, 2021. And they looked at um, 1,147 runners across the world during the pandemic. And what was interesting is that they reported an increase in the number of miles that people ran every week but, you know, a decrease in like those high level workouts, like, you know, your intervals and that kind of thing, because people didn't really have anything to train for. Yeah. So to hear you talk about like, you know, I didn't even think of virtual didn't immediately come to mind as an option, but it kind of developed itself out of need because people didn't have anything to train for. Um, but a, a big significant contributor to the decrease in motivation was just that lack of competitive environment. You know, I didn't, I ha, I've, I've done one 5k since the world opened back up. Um, <laughs> I think my last race was I did Austin in 2000, February, 2019. Uh -huh. And I haven't really done any, you know, long, longer distance races since then. And the interesting thing is that even amongst this group of runners that they studied, um, there was there didn't seem to be any type of like relationship between people like having COVID as you know a reason why they didn't run as much, um, and it and it and it didn't seem to have any impact on like how those runners measured their fitness. But that one component that was missing was that you know people couldn't do races, and so 
you know, to know, to hear you say, well, it's, it's really saturated. It just kind of goes to show the popularity of, you know, the organized road race is still very much a part of like, you know, being a runner. Um, and I think that's really, really, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and there, the, the live events are making a comeback. Um, mm -hmm. Last fall was really good. Um, around Harris County, they're still being very particular with their permitting. Mm -hmm. um, but up in the, the Dallas area, I've had a lot of events. Um, Galveston area, I've had a lot of events kind of around Houston. Um, Harris County is still being weird, but I've, I've got some permits for the spring events. So um, I'm thinking 2022 will hopefully be a good year. A good year, yeah, and I'm I'm hoping to get back, you know, to running like you. I kind of I've I've more so felt like a sense of isolation during 2020. Um, I moved to Texas almost three years ago, and you know had a pretty tight knit running community back home in Florida. And part of the challenge of moving here was, you know, I hadn't yet got plugged into like a running group, and then by the time 2020 came, you know, there weren't really running groups that were meeting up anymore, yeah. and so you know, sort of that loneliness of running alone, <laughs> running all my same routes by myself, and then not having anything to train for, you know, it really kind of took a toll on me mentally because I missed the community of running. And, and I think that's the thing for me that has been the most rewarding. I did not grow up, you know, in a family of folks that ran 5Ks <laughs> together, but I became really good friends with a family that ran together a lot. And and they were a huge part of the reason why I became a runner because I love the fact that, you know, they would, you know, strap on their shoes and gather as a family. They would sign up for races and be you know, pre pre me becoming a runner. <laughs> I did this two mile fun. I attempted to do this two mile fun run with them. And all I can say is it did not end well. <laughs> I think I barely made it like, I don't know, 30 or 40 yards before I literally like passed out. So I was like, oh, oh, it's like, it's not that big a deal, right? It was a very big deal. <laughs> um, but I just, I go back to what you said about, you know, when you did that first event, even in the sleep, even with the horrible conditions, you're like, I love this. And I remember my first race ever, most people kind of graduate their running, they do a 5K, they do a 10K, they kind of, they might do a 15, then they do a half and then a full. I jumped straight into full marathon training as a new runner, which is insanity. <laughs> um, but somebody on my team said to me, this is what's gonna happen after this race. You are either going to love it or you're gonna never wanna do this again. <laughs> and so even though it took me twice as long to finish the race as I thought, and I felt like I'd been hit by a truck, um, I was just like, okay, when's the next one, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, yeah, I, I did 5Ks and maybe a few 10Ks, but then I decided to jump in a half marathons and that was my distance. Like yeah. half yep. marathons, I felt good. And then at one point I was like, I should probably do a full marathon. Mm -hmm. like, probably. Probably. <laughs> so, so I signed up for a full for Houston one year. Mm -hmm. um, I got to mile 14 and I said, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> so 
that was like the first, was the first and last full marathon that I ever did. But at least you can say that you did it. And actually, I had a, an event this past weekend um, in Surfside Beach, Texas. And I have um, a lady in her 70s who comes and does the half marathon every year. Wow. Uh, I think she started doing it in 2016. So since 2016, she's done the half every year. And this year she decided to do the full and she sent me a message and we, we encourage walkers. Our, our race is completely on the beach. So we don't have to deal with road closures, right. um, or closing course. Um, so we can keep the course open for as long as we need to, and we'll stay at the finish long line for as long as we need to, if people want to come out and walk a marathon. Um, and we also offer a 5.30 early bird marathon. Oh, uh, wow. So they get that extra hour and a half to start. Um, she started at 5.30 a.m. And she finished at about 2.30 p.m. And and we were there watching her. She's, I think, 75, 76 years old. And finished in like nine hours and 30 minutes. But she, she got her first marathon down. And she... I emailed her on Monday to see how she was feeling, how she was recovering, and she was good. And she said, I'll be back next year to do the full again. Oh, my goodness. I love that so much. Yeah. And, and you know, that that is the thing right there. You know, when I first started running, I mean, I remember when I could barely run a quarter of a mile without, you know, feeling like I just wanted to pass out. But the the encouragement you know, the fact that really nobody truly teaches you how to run. I mean, there are things that you can learn as far as, you know, improving your, your gait or, you know, um, working on your time, becoming faster, becoming more efficient. There's something to be said about that. But really and truly, you know, we're babies. We crawl, right? And then one day we walk and then one day you're running because that's what we were built to do. And the idea that fast or slow, you know, 10 minute mile, 13 minute mile, marathon, half marathon, 5K, whatever, doesn't matter. If you put one foot in front of the other and run, you're a runner. And and I think that that's the thing I love the most about the community of running is in my experience, it's been welcoming. It's been supportive. You know, I can remember doing races and running alongside complete strangers for stretches of two or three miles and crossing the finish line and having somebody say, I needed you, you know, thanks for running beside me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I needed you. you know, thank <laughs> I was using you. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, then my friends and I, of course, had this joke that if you if you run more than like three or four miles next to a guy, then y'all go together. But, you know, that's <laughs> love that. <laughs> so, you know, but it's just, it's, it's, I love the community of it. And I think, you know, I can't, I have to go back to some of the things you said in the very beginning about all the things that make the race day experience what it is, you know, the, the crowds on the side of the road, holding up those signs with like, you know, all the funny little sayings. If you're fortunate enough to do a race that will print your name on your bib, having complete strangers yell out your name and encourage you across the finish line, you know, seeing the local high school bands and cheerleading squads and local bands that play at the mile markers, like all of those things that really just make race day what it is. And so to, to know that 
from a runner's perspective and from a race organizer and, and event management perspective, all the reasons why we're looking forward to, you know, races, live races coming back to us is, you know, all of those things I think are good things to look forward to. Yeah. And um, it, it makes my job and, and all of the effort that I put in, like, I mean, I probably got like five hours of sleep this weekend and yeah. having standing at the finish line with the last full marathon medal waiting for this girl to finish who I've met year after year who keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not just her story, there's plenty of other stories, uh, first marathoners, uh, you know, a, or first half marathoners. There's, mm-hmm. Uh, two years ago, um, I had a cancer survivor come and and do her first half marathon. You know, all of the stories that you hear, it mm-hmm. makes everything I do so worth it. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Let me ask you this. So what was the the, the thing that you were the least prepared for in taking on event management um like as a business owner as as a business owner um staffing okay (laughs) um i have found as a business owner um finding reliable competent people um has been the hardest thing Mm -hmm. um and and i'm sure it also has to deal with the industry and I, you know, getting up and being at a venue at 4 Mm a.m. when the weather isn't always ideal. Um, But staffing has been been my biggest struggle, Uh, Mm -hmm. finding reliable people um, to staff because I have enough equipment to do probably three races on on the same day. Uh, and that's how I wanted to expand the business because, you know, as a business owner, that's your goal. You want to grow, you want to expand, you want to get bigger. That's how you gear towards success. And, uh, I just, I don't always have the staff to allow for that expansion. So that's my, my biggest struggle. And currently, how many people do you employ? Um, so I actually contract out uh, my timers. I have currently three reliable timers uh, co- on contract work. And then I have uh, a few guys that just deal with equipment and like they'll go and set up course for me or water stations. I have about like five guys for that. And then I know that it takes a lot of volunteer power as well to really pull off a race. Where do you source your volunteers? Uh, That kind of depends on the event that I'm working. So if I am, uh, for instance, this last marathon that I did in Surfside, I reached out. There's um, a college right by nearby. I reached out to student organizations. Um, the marathon benefits, uh, the city of Surfside and a few of their organizations. So I usually Mm -hmm. get volunteers from that, um, schools and student organizations, uh, mainly for any race is a good idea because students are always 
like requiring or schools always require student volunteer hours. So it's a good little way to, to get some, some people for water stations and whatnot mm -hmm. and finish sure. lines. Uh, also sports teams, like track and field teams from the call, uh, from the high school or college or whatever. Um, and speaking of that, so what's the difference between doing timing for say like a cross country meet as opposed to, you know, organizing for, um, you know, just your, your common everyday runner to do, you know, a, a, an organized event. What's how, to, how is the process different? Um, it's actually a different um, scoring platform. So mm -hmm. for cross country, they're scored as a team and as an individuals. So each, um, each school is a different team. So there's team score, scores and then there's individual. Um, depending on how each individual places, that will go into the team score. So it's just a different scoring uh, system that I have to run in my computer. So it's a little bit different of a process. Gotcha, but as gotcha. far as um, event management, usually the mm -hmm. coaches kind of have a set cross-country course at their school that they mm -hmm. utilize. Um and they kind of, they take care of the water stations. So there's not a lot I do with that other than timing. Gotcha. And I, I've always been so curious about this. So when a, an organizer is mapping out a route, because my friends know I hate an out and back. <laughs> <laughs> Even... Even in my regular running, I hate an out and back. Like I need I already saw this. Give me something different. I need something different to look at. Yeah. And um, I was telling someone the other day, I, I've run the seven mile bridge run down in the Keys. So you literally run over the seven mile bridge and there is nothing but asphalt, sun, <laughs> water. There's nothing to look at, but other runners backs. <laughs> it's not even a long race, you know, relatively speaking compared to like a half or a full marathon but it is so mentally grueling because there's nothing to look at yeah so how do you determine race route like what what sort of that process like um so if it's on an actual road i have mm -hmm. to look at i have to get with the police and kind of get okay. with what can we shut down what can't we shut down can we um move this to one lane, uh, just a lot of traffic flow, mm -hmm. logistics. I will say out and back courses are much easier on the staff and on planning. Um, but I understand not doing the out and back, like not liking them. Like I don't like laps at all. Yeah. Uh, so I understand that. Um, but yeah, just it's it's working with the city, working with the cops to just figure out what we can and can't do. Gotcha. Okay, that makes so much sense. Yeah. And because I'm sure, of course, safety of the runners is is priority, and then um, second to that, obviously, is providing a great experience. But the safety part of it, I can imagine, is is massive. Um, from a from a business perspective, like insurance wise. Um, you know, what's standard in your industry for, for a, um, an event management company to carry as far as like liability insurance? Um, 
Are you talking like numbers or just what kind of policy? Like dollar amount, like what, 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 what on the average, like someone carry for liability insurance, like a million dollars? Um, or... I, yeah, I have an, uh, a million dollar policy for, and that covers my liability for mm -hmm. all of my equipment as well as two events. So I have two events under my company and that'll cover everything for that. Um, and then as far as like other events, I make them get their own, but gotcha. they're also kind of umbrella under mine, but I oh, okay. still have them get their own liability insurance. Just interesting to make So sure if somebody were thinking, say that one more time, I'm sorry. Oh, just to make sure that every company, you know, mm -hmm. down the ladder is, is covered. Um, right. I, I highly suggest any event that you're going to put on, you need the liability insurance. Gotcha. What would you recommend to somebody who is thinking about what you do? Somebody who is thinking about event management. You know, I there. I love. I'm a runner. I love running. I love races. And this is something I think I can do. What would we'll your suggestion to? Okay, we'll volunteer. Uh, mm -hmm. Volunteer at a water stop. Volunteer at a finish line. Mm -hmm. uh, volunteer at a packet pickup. Whatever you can do. Um, and more than likely the race director is going to be there and you can talk their ear off and ask as many questions as you want. Right. Um, that's, that's a good opportunity, uh, to kind of experience it. And then if you want more, then go up on, uh, on race day and approach the timer and say, Hey, mm -hmm. do you need help? Like, what can I do? Chances right. are they're always looking for people. <laughs> right, right. I can only imagine. And are there any other like special um, certifications or anything that either are required or helpful for, you know, either race organizer, event management, chip timing, any of it? Uh, no, uh, there are. I was a uh, USAT uh, certified coach. Okay. Um, but I, it hasn't really, uh, other than when I was training at the running store, mm -hmm. um, and coaching at the running store, it really hasn't done anything here. Uh, it, it will make you more knowledgeable about the mm -hmm. sport, about running. Um, yeah. I also, uh, did a lot of healthy running, um, seminars, mm -hmm. uh, race walking seminars, uh, just to build my knowledge base, uh, because I just love continuing to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, but I wouldn't say that there's anything that you really need or anything that's required of, to, to go out and do this. So let me ask you, tell me about your running playlist. <laughs> <laughs> like if you, if you had to say there were like three songs that my running playlist is not complete without these three songs, what would you say? Um, Papa Roach, Do or Die. Okay. Um, there's an Eminem song that I can't think of a the title right now. Um, yeah, I can't think of it right now. Um, okay. Yeah, I like I like hardcore rock and and rap. <laughs> I'll leave it at those two. But um, yeah. 
It's interesting because I, so I have this, I run my halves in like a mood. So usually I have a playlist that starts with like kind of classic rock and then it kind of transition into sort of like poppy rock. Uh-huh. And then by the end of it, it's all like hip hop because I feel like I just need the push to get yeah. to the finish line. And, um, but it's funny because I used to think that I needed like up-tempo songs really to like, you know, I'm looking for a certain beats per minute or something like that. But the weirdest thing is I could run the classic rock like all day long. I remember the first time um, I put Aerosmith's Dream On on a playlist and I was just like, why didn't I do this before? Like, it's, you know. Classic rock is inspiring too. It is. <laughs> it really, really is. And I think about like, um, Oh my gosh, what's that one song? Uh, Listen to the music. That's another one of my favorite ones. Um, oh my gosh, Hotel California. If that comes on, like, I'm just, I feel like I'm flying to some extent. So it's interesting how I guess it's like part mood. And then for me, it's also part distance. So, cause I, I can't listen to like a, the same genre for like, you know, a half will probably take, I usually run a half in around two hours or less. And I'm like, I can't listen to the same genre for two straight hours. So how can I mix it up you yeah. know, to kind of get me through the end of the race? You got to um, mix sure. it up. And yeah. it's, it's funny. My husband laughs at me because my running playlist is completely different than my gym playlist. Mm-hmm. So when I go to the gym and I lift weights, it's, I could listen to reggae and be lifting weights. Um, I, I can listen to pop and lift weights. I can listen to, you know, slow jams and lift weights. Right. Like for running, I just, I don't know. I like, I like fast and I like hard. So. Mm-hmm. No, there, I mean, whatever gives you a push. My best friend, she's so weird. I, yeah, I said it. She'll <laughs> <laughs> probably kill me. But um, she has a tendency sometimes, like if she has like one song and for whatever reason, that's just the song for the day, she will listen to the same song on repeat for like the entire race. And I'm like, for 13 miles, like how do you listen to one if song? If it works, it works. <laughs> but you know, it's just, it's a, it's the weirdest thing. I, I, and I just think whatever makes people you know, get up and run, whatever makes people get to the finish line. You know, it's not even about how fast or slow you do it. Because if you, if it took me two hours and run 13 miles and it took somebody else an hour and a half or an hour, we ran the same distance, you know, and, you know, mine isn't any more or less valid than anybody who runs faster or slower. Um, I just think it's all, it's definitely all about the finish. Um, are you a reader? Are you reading anything right now? Um... I just finished um, a very raw book called The Push. Okay. Um, I forget who the author is. Um, but yeah, I just finished that. I did. Uh, I do Audible because I can't okay. always, you know, I can't always take the time to read, but I drive mm-hmm. a lot. So I do Audible. Okay. Um, so I did The Push and then like physically I'm reading a book called um Mind Gut um and it's not in here. Uh it's it's about your mind and your gut uh relationship. So oh, okay. uh yeah, I I 
that that one's really interesting. Interesting. Okay. So. Good stuff. Um, and I have one last question for you. What advice would you give your younger self about starting this venture? Um, that's a good one. Um, I would say learn time management early. Mm. Like be better about time management early. Um, and pay more attention in accounting. <laughs> that is a that is a big one. I'm sure you could do like a whole show around around that. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean a lot of times honestly, the willingness to have the business is there. But, you know, then there's the business of business, right? And yeah. so, and, you know, not all of us are great at it, myself included. It's a struggle that, you know, I even have with a small business that I have. And it's, it's, it can be a very ex expensive lesson, you know, if you don't learn to tackle certain things early on in the process. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's great advice. Um, so can you tell everybody where can we find you on online, on social, people want to connect with you, um, if they want to sign up for one of your, of your races, if they're in the, in the Texas um, area, where, where can we find you? Um, I am on Instagram at FTR race or, uh, my personal is, uh, the Sam chop, um, and then, uh, FTRracemanagement.com. I, our calendar is under construction right now, but it should okay. be up um, within the next few weeks. Um, well, I thank you so much for taking out the time to chat with me today. Um, best wishes and with your business and growth and everything. And I certainly hope that, you know, this year shapes up to be a, a much better year than the last few have been. But thank you for what you do, because, you know, for those of us who really love you know, race day, love the community of, of, of running and racing, you know, folks like you who really take all of those finer details into consideration when you're planning a race. It just, it really makes a difference in, in our experience. And so I, I have a deep appreciation for what you do, honestly. Thank so. you. I, I love what I do and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to do it. But thank awesome. you so much for having me. You are welcome. All right, Samantha. Well, you guys have been listening to Press Play with Coach K. I'm your host, Kimberly Monroe. Um, you can check out more information about Sam and FTR Race Management in the show notes. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye.